RDI Insights. Mike Dempsey in conversation with Royal Designers. Hello and welcome to the RDI Insights podcast series, where I will be interviewing major figures in the design industry who have been made RSA Royal Designers for Industry, the highest accolade for a designer in the UK. The award was introduced in 1936 to highlight and honour the work of industrial designers for their sustained creative excellence and benefit to society. I've come to Wapping in the heart of London's Dockland. I'm here at the Times newspaper to meet one of the country's most respected political cartoonists. Peter Brooks has been wielding his caustic nib at the Times for the past two decades. Every weekday he creates a piece of cartoon history that entertains and infuriates in equal measures. Indeed, on the day I arrived, he was getting a stream of angry emails complaining about his depiction of the Pope holding a packet of condoms with the caption... World Food Crisis Summit Rome, one solution. Clearly to Brooks, nothing is sacred. Our conversation took place in his minuscule and noisy office, tucked away at the back of the design department, shortly after the paper had gone to bed with yet another of Brooks's creations, gracing its pages. What I'd like to start with is uh, a description of where we are, because normally um, these interviews have taken place in uh, people's houses. Um, but I've come, I've come here today because you have this particular working pattern, which means you're still at work at, as we are at 7.30 at night, which is your regular day. So I'm in this little triangular office, which is literally covered in paper and books and clutter and what is really a traditional illustrator's desk with a, a slightly raked table and pen and inks and I don't think this has probably changed for any political cartoonist for probably a century. It's, you know, there's no, no sign of a computer apart from, obviously, your email. Um, so I think that's setting the scene. But what I'd like to, um, what I'd like to, to do is, is to, to go back a little bit, because I was interested to discover that your, your father was in the RAF, and obviously, normally in these interviews, I... I I tried to find out whether there was a, a really Im- creative influence um, within the family, but in, in your case, your father was in the RF, and that led you into the RAF. And so, was that that's just a natural? That's, that's true. That's more a sort of destructive influence, I think, <laughs> going into the RAF as opposed to a creative influence. Um, was that a natural? Well, was it? I mean, it was it obviously having the RF around you and yeah, obviously being, yeah, you know, yeah. people that I know that have been in the services yeah. or in a service uh, family, they move around. Yeah, awful, that's precisely it. That's precisely it. I must have gone to about a dozen schools, all told, until um, my parents then went abroad uh, and I had to go to boarding school. But yeah, the whole point of um, service life was very much, you know, drilled into me in the sense of moving around with them. Yeah. Apart from when I went to boarding school, um, and um, you know, I thought that's what I wanted to do. He was in the RAF. He wasn't a pilot, but I thought I wanted to be a pilot, which was a desperately stupid mistake to have made. Yeah. But then I was young. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and you would have joined up presumably because you you were, you were not of um, national service. No, no, I was I, I was after national service. Yeah. This was in about. Uh, Sixty-two. Oh right, yeah. Okay, yes, yes. Um, and um, yeah, I went to Cranwell, which is the sort of Sandhurst of the RAF, um, to train to be a pilot. And uh, I got thrown out about uh, two and a half years after That's quite a long getting time. there. Yeah, yeah. I went through. I was six months off, actually getting there but um, I'm really glad to say that they saw the light and uh, parted company with and parted company with me because it was going to be either an incredibly expensive you know mess <laughs> so did you ever get to fly oh yeah oh you did so oh you yeah did yeah I flew solo in the lot you know I, and, and the irony is I, I do anything anything to avoid flying now I mean flying as a passenger yeah absolutely loathe it yeah. I hate it um, but at the time I mean 
I was totally unsuited to it, really, because I was the only person um, in this place who couldn't drive a car. <laughs> but I could fly. In fact, I could fly solo jets. Really? Before, jets? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. He went from chipmunks yes. onto, which single propeller things, onto Jet Provis. Right. Um, and uh, I could do all that before I could drive a car. I didn't learn to drive a car <laughs> until... Until I was thrown out, and after I went back home, um, no, it was a it was a, it was um, a wrong turning, put it that but way. But you, I think, towards the end, did you not? Uh, you started to to study for um, at London University. Yeah, I did a degree. Right? Um, you did a degree in, in I English. did a degree in English and uh, um, economics and war studies, of all things, which and was that, part of their setup. And was that just that was part of that? Was I had to do that movement. aside from what okay. I was doing in terms of flying and all the rest of it. But were you, at that time, I mean, during that whole period of when you were, uh, you know, the young Peter Brooks and yeah. the influence of your father and, and yeah. moving around all the time, were you illustrating drawing? Yeah. Do you have a yeah. natural ability? Yeah, I did. Sketching? And yeah, I did. Um, I, the school I was at, for example, um, didn't have uh, the uh, sort of teaching to do art at a level. And and they didn't encourage um, art in any sense, really. They did uh, uh, GC... What would it be? Uh, GCE. Yeah, GCE then. To O-level, anyway. Um, and I took that early because they want... They, you know, if you, if you could do Latin, that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah. So I took it early, about 13 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I'd always been keen on drawing, um, and uh, used to do cartoons in the school magazine, all that sort of thing. Ah. And then when I was in the RAF, I, I was the one who was sort of dragged into do stage sets for. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, and set. again, they were creating the college magazine with, with with cartoons and drawings. So I, I, I did all that, but I never really considered it to be you know a career, but. That was what was great about being thrown out because, yes, in the you know process of that, I had to continue with my degree and finish that off uh, over the three years, which was fine. But then I just absolutely determined I was going to go to so you went for college. foundation course yeah in Manchester the, Manchester yeah, yeah. and yeah. is that where you found the yeah it was brilliant the direction yeah it's absolutely wonderful absolutely. Terrific. And then you moved down to uh, to Central, Central yeah, um, in '66. Yeah, and I think you, you described it. As I read you described it as a, as a as a liberation. Yeah, very much after so. the the yeah. I suppose yeah. simply the people you were with. Yeah. you know the different. Well, I actually enjoyed being with the people I was with in the RAF. Actually, I, I, I mean, I did. I mean, I made some very good friends who, you know, have actually still kept in touch in a minor way. I mean, mm. I don't really see them, uh, but. It was a liberation in the sense that, um, you know, really, first of all, it was a huge weight lifted off my shoulder from, um, you know, stopping flying because I was yeah. useless at it. Yeah. And I knew my life wasn't in the forces and it was mm. a stupid, uh, it was a genuine mistake like you, like you make early, early yeah. on. And luckily enough, I wasn't there long enough uh, not to be corrected. So, you know, I was only three years too old, uh, well yeah. not three years too old, but three years older than other people, but I just happened to be in a year that had quite a lot of older students in yeah. it. Yeah, so. I mean, I think Posey Simpson. Yeah, Posey Simpson, she was in uh, the year above me. Yes, yeah. 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 And I think at that time, I don't know what it's like now, obviously it's changed so much, but Central at that time in the, in the 60s encouraged uh, their students to take on freelance uh, yeah, they do. Out, yeah. out of kind of yeah. curricular activity. Yes, they do. And yeah. you started to do, to produce some illustrations mm. and, and uh, various bits and bobs. Yeah. yeah. And then I think you were. Um, I think some of those uh, projects you worked on, you you were doing cartoons for magazines, and you did a little bit of work for New New Society. Yeah. Um, and you worked. I, I read. Uh, as an apprentice to a graphic designer called uh, Brian Boyle. Now, That's right. uh, did you really serve as an apprentice? Well, uh, apprentice, yeah. I mean, in, in a, a real sense, it was because he took me straight from art college. Uh, he he came in and gave us a couple of projects, and yeah. so he knew um, yeah, a few of us to uh, you know to give us work um, yeah. and all the rest of it. And then when I left, um, 
I went to work with him in uh, Great Portland Street. So what were you doing? What sort book of jackets? And, you were doing uh, book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Il- uh, either illustrated or designed. Because I did a graphic design course. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I wasn't an illustrator yeah. as such, although I liked drawing. And uh, but I, through him, got to do quite a lot of um, illustrative work. And at the same time, although he paid me, and uh, in the end, he said, "Look, you're doing enough." Of your own stuff. Why don't you, you know, pay you know, studio rent and all the rest of it, and be freelanced, and I'll give you a certain amount of work and all the rest of it. So, so you kind of share the space. Yeah, a little. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which is um, what I did before doing exactly the same with um, Time Out and Pierce Marchbank. Of course, yes, yes. Um, and I did the same there. I rented studio space and um, did. I don't know, three or four drawings a week for them or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the time-out period in connection with Piers Marchbank um, uh, saw a, a kind of blossoming of of your work, particularly covers. That's right. Uh, I a lot of covers. You did a lot of covers, yeah. and uh, they yeah. were, um, you know, it seemed to me there was a, you were going towards a natural course, which I think we yeah. end up with later. But yeah. so, you, so with Piers Marchbank, who... who um, I've also spoken to actually. Um, uh, that was a terrific period. When yeah, that magazine was was really that's right. Firing. Yeah, well, that was that was um, mostly down to Pierce anyway. And I was at college with him. He was a big mate of mine at college. You oh, see, right, okay. we used to sit right next right next yeah. to each other. Yeah. And although I drew and he didn't, yeah, we both had the same sort of. We both appreciated each other's ideas. Yeah, we were both. Um, thought in the same type of way I think you're b- um, both conceptual yeah, things, exactly. you know, exactly. which is where good graphic designers come yeah, from yeah. You know? uh, and, and what I'm I don't know why but what I'm delighted about really in terms of looking back in, you know, so long now was that my thinking then is actually no different yeah. from my thinking now yeah. in terms of coming up with ideas the, the ideas are different and they're targeted in a different way but the process yeah. is exactly the same and uh, there's some sort of strange satisfaction in that I don't I, know why I agree I don't know I why agree. but Pierce was uh, very much on the same sort of um, level of sort of working out ideas yes uh, and, and so when I worked with him um, at Time Out I mean he commissioned you know, he was the designer he was the one who made Time Out what it still is now Absolutely. amazingly um, as far as I know, I haven't seen it for a little while. Same logo. Same logo, that's about it. It's, uh, I think that, sadly, you know, that magazine, along with many magazines, are just not... They're just information magazines. Now. Yeah. But, no longer, uh, they don't have that political side, oh, no, which was no, very powerful. No. But it was, uh, yeah, except Time Out, even then, wasn't the most political of no, things. No, and I... I mean, it, it was... It was it put, put it this way, it was a great sort of breath of fresh air from something like What's On in London, which Absolutely. was the only other the listings yeah. magazine. Well, I remember, of course, the, 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 the whole period where they, they had equality of um, yeah. salaries in right. front desk, and yeah. then there was a kind of a walkout. Yes, that's right. And then yeah. City Limits started. City Limits, yes, with, indeed. Uh, with... Indeed. Um, uh, Dave King, of course, yes, the yes, other graphic yeah. designer who's, yeah. very, who's yeah. a particular panache right. constructivist kind of typography, and that was very... And so there were these parallel magazines running side by side, and then another one came into the fray, which I think was Richard Branson's yeah, magazine, exactly. which I think took Piers away yeah, he did. to do that. Yeah. So it was an interesting time. Yeah. I always remember getting battle. a phone call. I mean, well, the strange thing is, this man in this position now phoned me up to do a cover once <laughs> I seem to remember he was in that sort of role of just you know having done this magazine called Student I think it was Richard yeah. Branson yeah. was then you know at the, at the beginning of his sort of entrepreneurial yes. thing you know, building up a sort of empire of magazines I don't think he ever did I don't think anything no I think the event it. Uh, it was the magazine right. he produced yes. with, yes. with yeah. Pierce yes, as it. art director but it was short lived yes so it was it was good looking and but. then he moved on to something else yeah no the, the great thing about Pierce and Time Out was just how wonderfully well he found a way of designing something but th- then you know following following that I think you you, you continued with a steady flow of, of um, freelance work but 
then you got um, very involved with Radio Times. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I think yeah. Radio Times, looking at that body of work, is, for me, a fantastic uh, array of work because it really does demonstrate your abilities as an illustrator and not only the abilities of the illustrator but the various tex- techniques you used I mean yeah, you had this yeah. very tight almost steel engraving effect that That's you right, perfected yeah. Yeah. but then, then you could switch to very very yeah. tight gouache colour work That's which right. is just but it used to worry me desperately all of that because I never knew quite what I was you know I was doing one thing one way and another thing another way I used to do a lot of pastiches of things yes. which seem to be um, I don't know an excuse for not being yourself really um, it took a while to sort uh, out a way of working that you sure I think what, regardless of the varying styles and maybe the experimentation trying to find yourself what 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 comes through in all of that work is the sheer thinking the, yeah, ideas, the ideas shining story. through and they're dressed up in different sort of yeah, guises, but yeah. the, the ideas are very, very strong. Yeah, that's always been the important thing for me. I mean, there's been no joy in just drawing for drawing's sake no. in, my, in my career, but there has been every sort of joy in just sort of that. And strangely enough, I mean, it, my son, who's 27 and works uh, for a city firm, is a mathematician. Yeah. And to him, what he does, the work he does, is exactly the same. It's solving problems. Of course. It's, it's coming up with a solution to something. Yeah. And although... I suppose that's really the way I always set it. You know, it had to be... Um, I had to come up with... You know, you, you worry about yeah. how to approach something and what to do. Uh, you know, it had to have the right element of humour or the right sort of element of wit or whatever uh, for it to work. But... It had to be an idea, yeah. and I couldn't just do a drawing. No, yeah. well, I think it was it was at the um, the Radio Times that you you had this regular little weekly right. uh, column called Brooks on, yeah, and yeah. it was yeah. mostly on a comment on broadcasting or yes, that's th- it. Th- th- yeah. and, and I think you'd sit down with the editor and so forth and talk through issues, and uh, yeah. so you were beginning to get into the into the. Into the realms of what you, you, Doing, you, you uh, do now, commenting, yeah. commenting and, yeah, exactly, and, yeah. and being um, yeah. witty and yeah, I'm, fr- I'm, I'm from that that sort of work. Oh, I don't want to you know, no. jump your particular. No, no, I know. I'm, I'm a, I, I mean, it, it, so I think that 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 period really, really sort of demonstrated just you know what you were capable of, and you then went you know post post uh, uh, in 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 in. Uh, 76, uh, after I think Nicholas Garland uh, left, you, you took over the uh, political cartoon spot for the New Statesman, but, but it was very... Oh, no, no, it wasn't quite like that. It wasn't no. quite like that. No, he just went away for a long holiday. Oh, he went, because... And, um, because I, I read that you, you, you... So you didn't leave after six yeah, months? Yeah, well, that's, you got more or, it's more or less the same, actually. What happened was I was just doing... A, I was just a holiday stand-in over, you know, July and August, yeah. whatever, so, you know, six or whatever it was, weeks, and um, uh, Tony Howard was the editor uh, then. Nick Garland had seen what I work I'd done in Sunday Times and newspapers and things, because um, uh, I was doing these sort of comment-type illustrations that went with articles, um, business news, Sunday Times, uh, various, you know, sort of op-ed pages for magazine and newspapers and Garland had seen these and recommended to Tony Howard that I because I he used to take terribly long holidays and Tony Howard used to get incredibly pissed off about this because he had to manage a space which was quite big uh, which uh, was empty in the in the, in the New States while he was away and uh, I did it uh, but I didn't think it was my sort of thing yeah. at all really I can remember doing the drawings and sort of thinking, oh yeah, but approaching them in exactly the same way as I approached drawing for Radio Times or something, which yeah. isn't the way you should look at politics at all. You know, it's not a radio play politics. No. <laughs> well, it kind of is a bit of a saga. <laughs> it might be, it might be um, a saga. recently. Um, a little later, you the, the, a slot became available at the Times, and I think. Harold Evans was the That's right. editor yeah, at the yeah. time, and you were invited yeah. again to, uh, but you said you felt uncomfortable and you didn't go on to. to oh no no no! I didn't feel. Un- what happened there? I I used to do a lot of uh, sort of uh, alongside all the radio time stuff and all that stuff in about nineteen 
70 uh, odd and a bit later um, I was doing sort of headings for Jeanette Collins on the Times oh, yes. um, strange things that went on the top yes. of uh, you know page ads for cars and uh, or, or homes or gardening implements and that sort of thing and I do these long sort of page width um, decorated headings for them and so I started working for the Times that way and um, when Harold Evans was editor um, I started doing illustrations on the Times pages as well um, and shortly after that David Driver was made up as head of design I remember, yeah. and he being on the Radio Times yes knowing that I did that sort of work as well yeah. um, wanted me in there on a more regular basis Harry, Harry Evans was given the boot famously as yes, know, remember, after yes. a year yes. and then Charlie Douglas Hume took over as editor and they already had a cartoonist called Renan Lurie mm-hmm. who was a political cartoonist but an international one really he was Israeli American and he was someone who really produced cartoons about the international political scene and not about the domestic uh, he tried it uh, uh, mixing the domestic thing but he wasn't such a, in any country that he worked in he went around the world working just about every newspaper that there is his claim to fame was always was the most syndicated cartoonist <laughs> ever uh, and uh, anyway he uh, he didn't uh, spend a huge amount of time at the time so before moving on and they needed to fill the spot and um, or wanted to and they offered to you know let me have a try mm. which I did and again the same thing happened with uh, the times as happened with the New Statesman I mean I thought I could do it wanted to do it but had absolutely no confidence in my ability to do it so how did that manifest itself did you, were you just unhappy with the results or did you panic or what happened was, was it just a loss of well what happened was the worst thing in a sense was that I was offered the chance to do it alongside the other illustrations that I was doing in other words during any given week I did two or three drawings that went with articles by Bernard Levin say or um, Simon Jenkins later people like that anyway commentators uh, and they were always political mm. articles. Um, but then I was asked to do two or three cartoons, you see, which is a totally different thing, yeah. totally different animal. Most people don't quite know that that's the case, you know, when they're looking at a paper, but it is. It's a freestanding, you know, um, your own comment and all the rest of it. And you've got to have something to say. Yeah. And uh, what I found was when the because I was new to it, if the day was really difficult or I just couldn't think of anything to do, I'd um, sort of scurry back to doing an illustration for, you know, the op-ed page. Was that a kind of a comfort uh, yeah, blanket? Yeah, because I could do that. Yeah. I knew what I was doing and, you know, you didn't have to come up with... Well, you have to come up with your own idea, yeah. but your own idea was based on somebody, somebody else's else, thought yeah. process in the first place. Yeah. So all you were doing was uh, finding a way of... Literally illustrating, uh, illuminating their their message. So you kind of uh, just potted along then after that. Yeah, well, I, I, I copped out again. And yeah, you just yeah. carried on much doing... to the dismay of the then editor Charlie Douglas, who sadly died, um, uh, and um, very young. He was only in his early forties. And um, Charlie Wilson took over. And Charlie Wilson was a great guy. Mm. Um, I liked and like him enormously. He was um, rough and ready Glaswegian, mm-hmm. and he's famous in the newspaper world as being uh, Gorbals Wilson, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and had a very very rough tongue. And uh, 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 but he was terrific, absolutely terrific. And he um, he was very keen on having a cartoon. He was very keen that I should continue. And he was very very pissed off with me when I. I just threw in the towel rather yeah. pathetically. Um, I thought, uh, I, again, it was like stopping flying. You know, the world, the weight of the weight of all this was lifted off my shoulders and I could get back doing something that I knew I could do, which was illustration. So, so then what later, in, in uh, I think, 92, made you, the third time, yeah. um, actually uh, decide to take the 
because <laughs> because I take failure very very hard, frankly, uh, and the knowledge that there was something that I was interested in because I've always been interested, not actively politically, but I've always since I was doing that's why one drifts in a certain sort of way mm. towards the type of work that you do that yeah. you. Um, I like commenting. I like sort of, um, uh, well, I liked then doing, the, even though it was attached to somebody else's initial thinking. I mean, I always sort of managed to get my own sort of way of looking at things uh, in there, really. I didn't slavishly follow. Um, I followed the drift of what they were saying, but after a while, you do get very, very, very fed up um, of just doing that to somebody else's yeah. tune, you know, yeah. dancing to somebody else's tune. I didn't really like that. And um, I mean, bless his little cotton socks or whatever you say, but Bernard Levin had a wonderful, wonderful economist, though he, he was. Um, he did, from my point of view, have about five themes mm. that he rattled on about. Mm. And um, a lot of them I was, you know, sort of so familiar with and trying to get the same sort of uh, message across, but in a different way each time, was pretty pretty tricky. And I, I really got to the point of thinking, you know, this isn't really what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. And uh, Although I channeled myself into that comment slot, basically, I still felt I really wanted to say things, you know... You know, from my own point of view. So, what I mean, finally, really, what finally made you say yes? Oh, to this oh, oh, that, that, oh, that was that was quite easy because what happened was uh, Simon Jenkins became editor after Charlie Wilson. I went to him and I said, "Is there any chance at all? You know, I could be cartoonist rather than just um, you know, an illustrator." And he said, "Well," he hummed and hard and said, "Well, we'll give it a try." And he said. Uh, if you come to me every day with half half a dozen ideas on the day's news, but continue doing what you're doing, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Well, that was just a bull breaker, basically, yeah. you know, or bull's breaker, whatever. Half a dozen. Ideas yeah. Well, I didn't. In the end, they got whittled down to about three or four. But I think he rather lost interest and wasn't too fussed. Um, you know, whether uh, well, he. he he didn't say, oh, great, you know, you know, carry on and do it. And I lost interest um, uh, until um, uh, he was only editor for a short while. And um, then Peter Stoddart became editor. Yeah. And he I'd worked with, he was features editor, went over to the States, came back as ed- editor. And I'd worked for him. Uh, he knew what I could or couldn't do and knew that, you know, I wanted to try to be a cartoonist again and offered me um, the spot and uh, you know doing it but this time I didn't have the fail safe of going back to doing other drawings I just did five a week and that was it so that was the beginning of you kind of cutting back on all, well, or rather turning your back on all the other yeah yeah, yeah. To, to concentrate yeah. on finding a start oh, yeah, I, I did, yeah exactly because yeah. I mean obviously the, the pressure of a daily uh, cartoon yeah, means you've got to become much more economical in your. You you couldn't, you can no longer go down the the routes that you that you used to go down, which were far more. I, I mean, I know that you'd always been you've been very free in a lot of your illustrations, but you seem to have pared it right down now to to um, a simplicity that, uh, um, although it's all in color, which is quite remarkable because you yeah. know, so many political cartoonists are. Um, you know, were mostly black and white. Yeah, so that right, was kind yeah. of an unusual thing, an added. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of simplifying your drawing, but yeah. adding back into it. That's right. The color, the color work. Yeah, I, I was sort of very loath to adopt the color mantle, basically, um, because I've always thought that um, a political comment can be made. It's at its simplest in black and white. Sure. And. You know, history always allowed that. Apart from, you know, good, you know, Gilray's and all the rest, which were highly coloured. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. it's a nonsense to think they were always like that. But it had developed that way, you know, um, uh, over many years. And the big famous cartoonists like Lowe, Vicky, um, all worked 
it's purely in black and white. Well, and so the, pr- the printing uh, techniques were a lot uh, oh, yeah. cooler anyway. Well, you didn't have colour. We, we were talking start. about 65 dot screen yeah. you know, for half tone, so that yeah. was pretty awful. Oh, yes, um, yes. So that's black right. and white really. But black and white lines sort of really yeah. gave things a sort of, you know, and if you, you know, if you're trying to get an idea across in some sort of really somber graphic way, black yeah. and white was the thing that did it, and dressing things up in colour, I always thought, was. You know, a bit of a nonsense, and uh, just. Uh, but the two things stopped me thinking that, or three really, I suppose. One, I never felt that confident using colour, but after a while um, doing it, uh, I felt a little bit more com- confident and, and, and less um, uneasy about it. So, from a practical point of view, I got over that. But also, someone said to me, you know, as a counter-argument to the fact that, you know, the Lowe's and the Vickies and the mm. Ellingworths all mm. worked wonderfully in black and white, uh, was that, you know, if colour had been available to them, do you think they wouldn't have used it? Of course they would. And, but of course they did use They did tone. it to a degree, they did, yeah. They, they yeah, used tone. They used tone. Because obviously, clearly, they wanted to get a bit more dimension. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I'm sure you're And right. Lowe did do quite a number of colour things for various magazines. And yes. So it was a... When it was available, I'm sure they would have used it. And, you know, I just felt, um, you know, in the end, that the other argument being, of course, that uh, actually you're, you're talking to me in the week that we've actually gone, well, it's been redesigned this week um, to accommodate the fact that we've uh, got full colour on every page. So now if you do a black and white thing, it certainly looks slightly right. out of place and doesn't look quite right. And let's face it, I mean... But I suppose, eventually, black and white work in newspapers and magazines will look as outdated as black and white televisions do. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, that's debatable, I think. I I think that, uh, you know, looking at newspapers, I mean, we're veering off the off the subject but it's very much your world so yeah, yeah. I think it's, and you're very much a graphic designer but my you know in recent I follow newspaper design you know, yeah, yeah. just uh, yeah. out of personal interest and yeah. watched it and of course watched you know modern technologies transform yeah. Yeah. you know the quality of printing and what can be done and so forth mm. and I and also you know very aware of what uh, the the web has done to newspapers in yeah. terms of the they have a presence on the web which you can now you know graze through the daily your daily papers on on uh, on, right. on the web of each yeah. newspaper around the world yeah uh, and i my feeling with many newspapers now is that they're literally trying to visually replicate what's being seen on the web so there are more boxes, more bars, more this, more that, more cut. It's it's piling in too much. And when I do see, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of the New York papers or some of the Swiss papers, they're very quiet. Right. And it's a real breath of fresh air. I yeah. find mm. a kind of, you know, kind of a, it's it's like it, it, they're not shouting. I think mm. there's too there's a little too much shouting. I mean, mm. I think all of the original broadsheets have moved towards. You know, a middle ground. I, d- I don't mm. see as much differentiation now. Even the, 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 the new uh, Guardian yeah. doesn't really do it for me. I think it's you know it's very well put together, but I, I just find there's a sort of blandness. And there mm. are a lot of these international newspaper uh, designers that literally go around applying a style around the world. In South yeah. America one week. You know, Spain the next. Oh, sure they do, they're yeah. in London doing yeah. the independent, whatever it might be, yeah. and yeah. they all end up looking rather similar. Yeah, except ours hasn't been put together by no, you're, uh, you're, people I mean, from the Times is anywhere, anywhere very, I mean, apart from obviously going down to, a, you know, um, moving from broadsheet down to a compact yeah. size, yeah. Um, it still very much has its. Um, you know, integrity, typographic integrity. And yeah. I guess that's because David Driver is still very much. Yes, yeah, still. yeah. Although he hasn't been, inc- you know, he hasn't been very involved in in the new um, setup that we've had um, this week. Uh, I think um, I think we're not a million miles away from the Guardian, actually, in the general look of things and the way that we use colour. Mm. Um, and I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't um, share your opinion on that. No, I mean, with I, newspapers. I mean, I find French newspapers incredibly boring. 
and um, uh, I would think probably Swiss newspapers if I knew any uh, certainly a few German papers I used to love Desight when I was an illustrator Desight to me was I used to go and get it not knowing a word of German I get it every week and they were great on um, the way they used illustrations and drawings newspaper drawings they were fantastic and I would really there were one or two um, particular illustrators that were, were just geniuses I thought um, and uh, that was a pretty I don't know what it's like now actually I haven't seen it for years um, but it was all them very sort of uh, wide columns and uh, yeah. a very large newspaper yeah. uh, plenty of white space a lot of white space which is yeah. really unheard of yes that's right uh, not anymore it's not unheard of because our times too is full of full white, white space, space. Oh. and yesterday got an absolute hammering from a critic in the standard Roy Greenslade for it as for well. too much white space yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but um, I mean, it's just one point of view and uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see how that uh, you mentioned uh, David Lowe uh, yeah, yeah. just now yeah. and uh, I, I read an interesting thing which I'm sure you know but it just gives an indication of I think the influence and power of the political cartoonist I mean he apparently infuriated Hitler so much um, because he was forever drawing um, cartoons mm-hmm. of Hitler in various guises as donkeys and all sorts of yeah, things yeah. that um, Hitler put pressure on the British government to get them stopped and um, at that time there was a government minister called Lord Halifax mm. who visited Lowe um, in 1937 to ask him to tone down his work <laughs> in the interest of peace uh, and Lowe did he did. He actually did tone these down until Hitler occupied Austria a few months later yeah. <laughs> spread back again yeah, quite right so too. I wanted to ask you yeah. about your you know your feelings about the the influence that um you know, the political cartoonist can have because sometimes I think that you know I listen to Jeremy Paxman and John Humphreys yeah. when they're giving a yeah. politician a good grilling and then I might you know look at some of your work and where you've been com- incredibly vicious to a politician and yeah. I think well actually that's far worse than you know they, these guys can put up with and they're trained to oh, put up yeah, with a yeah. Paxman interview yeah, yeah. but having people laugh you know, yeah, that's, in Parliament, that's they the haven't seen Brooks' that, cartoons. That is la- laughing at them. I don't know about that, um, uh, about what effect you have on politicians. To my mind, and, and the way I see it is that you probably have absolutely no effect on them at all. Uh, and in a sense, it's not them that you're, you're getting at them, but you're also trying to influence, because you've got a readership, what people think i mean it's like having a debate or just having an argument with somebody yeah. and you're doing a drawing and this is the way i see somebody on any given day yeah. um and this is what i feel about something on any given day and um, people react you know sometimes well sometimes furiously and mm. the, the furiously is better you know <laughs> and, and when they do you hope that if someone's doing something you disapprove of that you can you know perhaps change people's voting intentions it sounds terribly grand or terribly you know um, but that seems to be the way it works to me more than I mean just make other people sort of say oh yeah yeah." I mean have you ever had any direct feedback from any of the people that you've um, depicted in your oh yeah 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 you do um uh, but generally it's uh, to my disadvantage rather than uh, them saying please don't do that again they never say that it's, it's, generally, it's the old sore really of uh, you know if they're not depicted they're far more upset than if they are well apparently know. politicians love buying them. they do that's the place where they, yeah, they seem yeah. to uh, yeah there to is a lot of that uh, and uh, I mean I sell through a gallery so I don't, I don't it direct. I'm happy to do that. I don't like dealing with that lot no. know, at all. Um, uh, so yes, they, they, they take notice of it. It was mainly there, you know, people who, you know, support them. I mean, yeah. I did a cartoon yesterday, which is not it's political, but it was more, um, you know, sort of religious based in the sense of um, reaction I got, which has been pretty horrendous over the last couple of days. Um, because I drew the Pope holding a condom packet because of the world hunger um, uh, the world food uh, um, crisis summit in Rome 
uh, I, I, I decided to do one that just said one solution, and that's the Pope holding up. And and the 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 con- that that comes by. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, right. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's. No, I did it. I did it, and it. it, it oh uh, my goodness! It got a huge. And it's, well, inter- I'm, I'm, it's interesting. The. I mean, I. I'll, I'll explain the process of what happens when you're thinking of something which you know yes. is going to be um, contentious in a moment. But it. It got a letter in today's paper, and here's the letter. And it says. It says. I'll just read that first sentence. Uh, right, uh, sir, the political cartoon of Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, June the Fourth was offensive and an open, oversimplification of complex issues. Well, that's, that, that's exactly what a co- political cartoon should be. Well, actually, actually brings up, I mean, it's, it's, um, it, it, it's amazing you've done this, because, you know, here is the, the head of the Catholic Church, yeah. and all that that represents. Yeah. And yet, and yet, uh, it was only a couple of years ago that, you know, there was the famous Danish case of oh, the yes, cartoons yes. there, yeah. Yeah. That brought that country into onto the international. Stage. It's, it's interesting because so I didn't even think about this when when I did that. The, the 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 how an idea comes is a mystery to me, and I've been doing it for forty or whatever it is years, uh, and it is a mystery. I mean, you set yourself um, a subject, knowing you whittle through what you want to say that particular day by, you know the news you listen to in the morning and all the rest of it and just gauging the subject you want to treat but how you come up with the idea you want uh, is as I say a mystery but Mm. you don't come up with it by saying I want to be outrageous as I possibly can it doesn't work like that you just got to find an angle or a way of saying something that you feel particularly strongly about or or in this particular case it's not not obviously uh, about world hunger, but it was just the something must have clicked about the idea of Rome, and the idea that well, if there are fewer people, oh yeah, it was, it was, it was, I read that popula- the population increase by 2015 yes. was going to be something massive. Yeah, I just thought, well, you know, it doesn't make sense to sort of control that. I mean, it's, it's a, it is a an oversimplification because there's so many other things involved. But unfortunately, in a cartoon, yeah, you have to, you have to be, right you have to, you have to be. Uh, not simplistic, but you have to be relatively simple in the way that you put a message across. And yeah, a lot of people have said uh, who've complained about this. How dare you? I mean, there's one particular irate phone call this morning when I got in uh, on the message uh, uh, thing, which uh, said, uh, "How dare you do a cartoon like that? You would never contemplate." Doing, um, you know, an Islamic, uh, a Muslim leader in, in that way. Well, actually, there was no need, uh, no, no idea whether Muslims no. use condoms or not. Yeah. I do know that, you know, Catholics are told and uh, taught not to. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, I don't know what any Muslim cleric necessarily looks like in terms of being recognisable to sure. people in a cartoon. And you're not going to draw Muhammad doing that because it's not that's not the point you know so people do get do get upset on that uh, that sort of basis and why did why why did you well Rome had something to do with it traditionally when you feature a product in uh, a television program or mention it already you get a whole lot sent to you I wonder whether (laughs) no they they wanted to buy it (laughs) Durex wanted to buy it yeah I just wanted you to, to, to just give me a glimpse of your daily routine because yeah. I think that would fascinate people that, yeah. you know, we're here in this very tiny office, which is your kind of engine room, where you're yeah. here for, yeah. for what, what's your daily routine? Well, it's a, by the way, I mean, it's a tiny office, but I'm a lot luckier than most because they all work Outside. in open plan yeah. sort of spaces, everyone rushing past them and sort of using their PCs and all sorts of things. Yeah. And at least I've got a window as well. <laughs> yeah. And this was built when we moved here, uh, with uh, with me being able to, you know... It has a fantastic view of varying <laughs> shades of brick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the view isn't the thing, you've got to, you, I've got to admit. I mean, it's, I it's, think the, docks, it's got light. For Docklands, you need to get the money back. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, Docklands. So what but, is your daily... The daily thing is, I wake up, uh, to the Today program at 6.30 mm-hmm. very important to me um, 
listen to that for a couple of hours, leave round about nine, something like that. I'm only about a quarter of an hour, 20 minutes away on a good day. Um, I uh, get here, we have a morning conference at um, 10.30, and between waking and the morning conference, I'll have taken in you know, the Today program, uh, the agenda that they have every day, um, all the news that you can take in, you know, driving, listening to radio, reading the papers, uh, not comprehensively, but pretty well, as, as much as I can, um, before the 10.30 um, conference, which gives me a sort of outline of what is likely to be in the paper that uh, night, Obviously, during the course of the day, things change and mm. uh, things are updated, and I do that myself as well by just watching TV news, you know, going online, um, all that sort of thing. Um, and it's just a, a process of um, getting as much information as you can until you realise you've probably got too much. Cut it down a bit um, just by starting to think up the ideas that you want to get across, and you sort of go from there really and by two or three o'clock um, I've got to in my own mind be happy that I've got a you know I've got a sort of solution to you know and so the agenda things. for the subject of the day is entirely yours or yes. is it it's yeah. entirely yours yeah. but, even, but that although it, although it is mine uh, in a strange way it sort of is self-editing because yeah. there are only certain things that uh, I mean, a political cartoon is a very odd animal, basically, because a lot of people, you know, who read the paper don't quite know how it works, you know. Mm. It's, um, uh, they don't know, sometimes when you're being serious, something, you know, appallings happen that you don't want to make a joke about or don't want to be mm. witty about or whatever. You just want to, um, you know, sort of say something quite somber or whatever, um, they think you're because you're a cartoonist and it is a cartoon they think you're trying to poke fun at it sure. for example sure. so there is that sort of thing you're always living with but um, you know it's just a question really of uh, um, whittling it down to two or three things that are going to be the subjects that people are on people's minds or if they're not totally on people's minds at least you can point them in the direction of mm. the fact that these things have happened and uh, this is what your cartoon's about. And most importantly, really, um, it's something that you want to say. Yeah. Some days doesn't work quite as conveniently as that because there are some days news that you're repeating you know, something that you... Not literally repeating the whole idea, but repeating the subject and uh, maybe repeating what you feel about it. Mm. I, mean, I get lambasted now and again for doing too many drawings of Gordon Brown. Which is probably true. It's very current for the moment. Well, yeah, the difficulty I have now with Gordon Brown is, uh, and not doing. I, actually, I've been. I did get one remark that someone had added up the number of times I've drawn him in the last three months, and it rather horrified me. So I've actually literally, you know, taken that on board to the extent of saying, well, I'll try and limit myself in a different way, perhaps, because it can be boring for people. Sure. sure. And also, it bores me if. Uh, you know, if I'm doing it, the same happened with Tony Blair. But it's worse with uh, with Gordon Brown because his cabinet is so anonymous, apart from one or two or three, um, that when you're drawing them, you know, you have people, either, wouldn't recognize people wouldn't recognise him. No. And he's so dominant, or has been. And, uh, <coughs> uh, whether it'll continue that way is is a moot point. But he has been so dominant that he's the only one. You know, he's the only one that you. you oh, Blair was to a degree, but then he still. He had figures like Blunkett and, uh, you know, Charles Clark and yes. those others who were good to draw, great to draw. And now, you, and it, it balls is awful to draw, you know. <laughs> you know, and. Uh, but what, they're, they're the only good one, apart from. Apart from uh, Brown himself, I suppose, is Miliband, who I'm beginning to enjoy drawing. But. Uh, People like Straw have been around for so long yes. that, you know, it's yeah. sort of slightly second nature to draw them. But the likes of Jackie Smith, oh God, you know, um, such a boring politician. Um, I mean, she's not too bad to draw, but, um, you know, the, the, there are a lot of nonentities in that cabinet. Sure, that sure. And no great. James Purnell. 
never drawn James Gunn out. And everyone's <laughs> talking about him as the possibility of being the next. Well, I leader. did hear that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, never drawn remarkable. him. No one would know. There's a rather fantastic drawing of Boris Johnson (laughs) right in front of us. Oh, that was... Um, uh, Well, let me explain that. My vision for London. Yes. And (laughs) And he's got his hair over his eyes. Completely over his eyes. (laughs) Well, that one, I I feel slightly um, uh, angry about that, or not so much angry as uh, angry with myself, because it's a spectator cover. Boris Johnson used to edit the Spectator. Yeah. They wanted me to do the Boris Johnson for for mayor um, the, the, in the week that he be, uh, he was going for mayor, uh, you know, the election. And uh, I said, well, I will, but I don't want to endorse him. I don't want to do a drawing that endorses Boris because I think he'd be a disastrous London mayor. Da 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 da. And I just don't, you know, I, I never ever vote Conservative, and I don't want to, you know. Promoter conservative. So I said, I said, I said uh, well, yeah, but I, I, I mean, I, I can't do it. I said because it would mean that. And they said, no, you do your own thing. You know, honestly, we wouldn't be asking you to do it if we didn't want you to do your own thing. And I said, well, okay, but um, you know, you're not going to like it because if you're supporting Boris, you know. Anyway, their headline was "Vote for Boris" in huge thick, you know. <laughs> And it killed off, the, even though the image was quite big. And it's interesting, it's so interesting. I thought, well, you can't have vote for Boris and then a picture of Boris with his hair completely covering his eyes saying, my vision for London. In other words, what you're saying is the guy you know, hasn't got any clue at all or yeah. vision. And, and, and there you are telling... And they said, no, 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 we like the idea that you can... you know. And I was, I've asked one or two people when it came out three or four weeks ago, whenever it was. Um, yeah, do you think this is a nonsense? It can't possibly work, can it? And they said, well, yeah, it does, in a strange way. It does, you know. Sort of there's a quirkiness to it. Well, it certainly works very well by itself without the headline. I mean, with that Well, that was the... the, that, but, that but was it, the didn't, it doesn't really need anything, does it, really? I know, but except they were wanting... That's what I'm yeah, saying. No, they I were know, wanting to promote they, the man. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't. It was my own fault. I shouldn't have done it. I should have said no for... So, so just switching back for one moment to the your daily routine. So oh, yeah, sorry, you, yeah. You finally yeah. get your idea, yeah. and yeah. you're happy, and so, you yeah. a series of sort of sketches. And yeah, two or th- and it, no, no, I, I, what happens is um, by two or three o'clock, I sort of, um, I mean, if I'm lucky, it's earlier, um, and if I'm lucky, it's a subject that isn't going to change for the rest of the day, something like, I don't know, um, Obama getting the democratic um, thing or um, you know you, you know you want to do that and that's not a problem um, no I, I filter it through thinking into one idea yeah. um, and I don't do several I might just sketch out several ways of doing that idea but it's all done um, in the thought process as to what I'm going to say it's never sort of worked out on a lap pad or whatever yeah. but I, draw, I do then draw it out um, and it's always just the one thing the one idea yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and then it takes me a couple of hours to do it um, if I'm colouring the thing in by five o'clock I know I'm okay because I have to finish by seven um, then I take it down I see the editor either earlier in the day there's a new editor to us and sort of, uh, last three months Um, and uh, it's very very good uh, to deal with all the editors that I've had to take things along to show have been terrific I have to say Uh, all different all quite different but um, all just the right sort of temperament to understand what a cartoon's about and to react in the right way or or sometimes not you know but um, you know, sometimes they liked what I did, and, and, and they didn't, but they always let me do it. That was the sure. point. And I, I don't have anything written in the contract that says, um, like some people do, that says, um, you know, you will always print his cartoon. seems to me that any editor who can spike, you know, any copy will certainly spike, you know, if he decides he doesn't want it in, sure. he, you know, whatever your contract says, he won't put it in, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, he's not an editor, you know. I, th- I, th- I think those are strange things that people draw up. I don't think they're, they're, they're very meaningful. Anyway, so I, I show, show him what um, I'm doing, and sometimes it's the end of the day. It's very difficult to pin down. So, sure. 
So if I show it earlier, that's fine. As a, a rough scribble, yeah, um, uh, I can do that. I mean, I draw it out like that for myself anyway, to the standard of being able to um, get an idea across. Yeah. You know, so you make the figure recognizable. Sure. The idea has got to be plain, yeah. and I have to do that on, in the in, in the process of drawing it anyway for, yeah. for myself. I just refine the drawing, um, and then ink it in, um, and then uh, colour it in. That's the way it works. And then it's scanned, and it goes off. And then it's scanned, and then I see it when it's on screen. And that's it. Which is what I was doing just before. Yeah. So that, I mean, so if you're listening to the day-to-day program at six o'clock in the morning and you're leaving here at, yeah. at seven you're, yeah. it's a long day it's a 13 hour yeah, day yeah i don't sort of yeah right. but it's not a bad day you know? no i know I'm it not, is it, not it, as it is not as intensive as a much shorter hours uh day teaching is which uh, which we didn't touch on but of course you did teach for oh yeah i'm not talking about my sort of teacher i'm talking about the sort of teaching where you got Twenty oh, yeah. children that you uh, you know youths and yeah, that, uh, you know, not girls necessarily so, wanting to be there. No, exactly. Yeah, I mean that tough. that must be bloody hell uh, compared to what I do. I yeah. mean, you know, the only angst I get are probably of my own making and my own. Uh, and I, I find the whole thing of a deadline is uh, totally and absolutely beneficial because of that yes. I wouldn't produce the drawing, yeah. and it has its own um, peculiar rhythm because. Um, you know, you know that uh, by two or three o'clock. Although you've got to be very careful of it, because if you start saying to yourself, "Well, I'm going to come up with something," you probably wouldn't. You no. know, you, you can't be complacent. You just have to just hope that the system works until you get Alzheimer's or whatever it is. <laughs> so, so, I, so I guess when you when you've got that idea down and you've 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 basically got the structure together, and then you've got that nice run home with colouring in, you can probably turn on the radio and just. No, I don't. You see, I, I I absolutely love music. My music is one of my passions, uh, and I can't listen to it while I'm working. Music. Yeah, yeah. I've got radio here. Yeah, I noticed. Uh, but that's only for just the news. For news, when I don't, you know, watch it on television. I, I don't often listen to radio during the day. I do when I'm at home or sure. when I'm, uh, you know, uh, off work. But. Um, and music, as I say, I would have on. I used to listen to it a lot when I was illustrating, and, and you know, spending hours and hours and hours doing silly, detailed yeah. uh, gouache. Yeah. Paint. Not silly, because I mean, I loved no, doing them at the time. Well, I loved doing them at the time, but but when when you consider, you know, the amount of effort that went into a minimal amount of work in the end, um, that's the only silliness to me now. But no, I would listen to stuff then. But now I can't do it because. Um, you just need to be able to. So, if I got listening to some string quartet or something like that, was trying to work, I'd be doing two things. You know? Yes. And um, so, what when, when you're not doing this daily grind, which I know you've said it's. I mean, it's a great thing to do. Let's face it. I mean, you know, when you think of all the dreadful things one could be doing in the world, oh, this yeah. is a very privileged. Job, it is. It know? is. I, I mean. I, I, it's a it's an incredibly privileged job because what you're doing basically is sounding off, yeah, and being paid for it, absolutely, uh, and being given a space to do what you want with an enormous readership, which is yeah, well, yeah you got all of that. Um, um, the only thing the only thing I do think about it is that compared to, I mean, just talking uh, about the paper compared to, you know, um, I don't know, um, so many foreign correspondents, for example people out in Afghanistan sort of doing that sort of stuff in Iraq I mean what I do is absolute you know sort of meaningless basically I mean, it's meaningful to me and it's meaningful well, it's, to people who, I think it is who, who look pro- at a newspaper provocative and, yeah and but in the end in the end they do they're the ones who actually do the hard work I mean I don't consider what I do apart from I don't know the length of the day I suppose and sometimes the agony of trying to get an idea sure. out of nothing or trying to make an idea work all of that sort of thing which are just personal things if I were better I wouldn't have that problem on occasions or, or things like that so I don't but I don't consider it um, you know as hard work or as valuable work as nursing or any of those things really sure, sure. at all you know yeah and it yeah. does um, it does humble you that, no, that sort of thing because I'm having a great time yeah. being well paid for it yeah uh, just to sound just the 
the last editor said uh, he said oh here you come again why do I have to why do I have to indulge your prejudices every day <laughs> which, which is basically that sums it up that sums it up so are there any other areas that, I mean you it seems to me that you're, you're very much locked into this world now but this is yeah, your yeah, life yeah. do you ever see yourself sort of Deviating out and maybe producing some more books. I mean, you've obviously produced books based very much on. Yeah, well, there are any collections of what I've already done. Yeah, I haven't done any specific work for books apart from things I've illustrated for Folio Society or various little bits and bobs. So, what do you do to. I remember doing a couple of pages for one or two of your books, actually, I seem to remember. Absolutely, yes. Uh, In uh, (laughs) times past. A long time ago. Yeah. It's been too long ago to remember. uh, But no, 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 no. This will see me out, I think. And uh, although God knows what I would do if I didn't do it. And the idea of retirement to me is just total anathema. What generally happens with political cartoonists that they just. Well, I mean, the the great thing about doing this sort of work is that. very, very often, a bit like conductors, you know, they go on and on, you know. Yeah. People like Trog, he was well into his 80s when he retired. And Von Carrion, I mean, he was... <laughs> great drawer. Great drawer. <laughs> One of the great cartoonists. <laughs> great German cartoonist. And no, the, um, uh, the thing about Trog, he only stopped, but his eyesight started to fail. And, um, uh, and there's been so many uh, cartoonists who sort of go... I mean... Scarf is now into his 70s, I think. Yes. Uh, and I interviewed Scarf we'll for, for one of these two. Right. Very yeah. fascinating. So and he'll be going on for, for Just works away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just. Yeah, well, it's easy when he only did one a week, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess eventually maybe you can wind uh, down to one You know, a week. I used to do, I, I did do a, a weekly for a while. Uh, and um, uh, I was, uh, the Sunday Telegraph wanted me to stop working here and do a weekly I've been there weekly cartoon I can't imagine anything worse really first of all everyone else has got there before you during the week yeah of course and so I bet you take no notice of that I'm sure that's uh, that doesn't matter but you know you haven't got the next day to rely on to put right what what you fucked up the day before sure. you know that happens all the time yeah. you know you have this thought that I mean, you don't rely on it, otherwise you'd never do anything that was even half decent. Um, but that's the great thing, is that the next day can, you know, put right what you mm. didn't do so well the, the previous day. And the, the, the most often question, uh, the, the, the most often asked question I get is, do you ever run out of ideas? I mean, that's over the years, the one thing that people say to you. And the, my stock reply, is a bit of a cliche, but it's true, is that no, you never ran out of ideas. It's just that some, at the end of the day, you wish you hadn't come up with sure. and uh, uh, landed with. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's why the next day sort of puts it right in a way. And you know, the, is it? And it's not. Um, I remember reading. I think it was Stedman saying that you know, daily political cartoon is a sort of hellish thing to do. I mean, a ridiculous and, and a worth, worthless thing to do because it becomes a habit. Well, it doesn't really. It's no more of a habit than when you read the paper and you say to whoever you know you're having breakfast with, mm. uh, in my case, my wife, mm. uh, you know, God, this is stupid or that's stupid or bloody hell, you know, how, how dare they? Or mm. you know, mm. it's no different than that. No. It's no different than just wanting to say something about any given thing every day and having the the, the, the sort of. Uh, space to do it in and uh, being paid for it which is the the bonus well let's just round off now um, uh, a a question that I've asked many uh, designers is um, you know there are lots of budding young designers and illustrators too and and your world the world of political is a very small world actually it's quite a a tight knit little world and I'm sure it's Quite a difficult thing to get into. I'm sure that you know a lot of yeah. lot would go via magazines like Viz and th- those, yeah. or s- just submitting. Yeah. Yeah. There have been so many um, illustrators that th- yeah. their history is just freely submitting to magazines yeah. in order to get recognised, and so yeah. they do. Yeah. But anyway, what, what sort of advice would you give to any budding young, uh, you know, illustrator who we wanted to graduate towards um, political cartoon? What, 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 what's the best thing for them to do? What in terms of actually 
getting into getting it. into that area. Yes. Just come, just ring up, <laughs> ring up, and ask if he. Because I never get. I mean, David Driver is the head of design, and then mm. he doesn't get that many political illustrators no, I think uh, of political cartoonists. Mm. One, I mean, it's a strange, strange. It's not like illustration, is it? I mean, for all the reasons that we've already talked about. Yeah. Um, but people don't want to do it. Because I think actually, frightened. I yeah, think it's, exactly, it's tough. exactly. It is tough, and my own sort of reticence about it, sort of, yes, yeah, yeah, points that out. It's sort of, um, it's something that you're not trained to do. There's no college of political cartooning. There may well be correspondence <laughs> courses, although I don't <laughs> think they do those sort of things anymore, do they? But they, they just don't happen very often. In fact, the last person who wanted to uh, go around showing work and and to get comments from you know people already doing it was the guy who now does the days I don't do and is employed here um, not as a holiday relief at all he's much mm. much 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 better than that mm. he um, is someone um, that I'm scared stiff of because he's waiting to step into my shoes <laughs> Morton Morland who's very very good <coughs> is unique in terms of my experience of actually seeing anybody who, who sure. does it. Anyway, he came to see me, showed me his stuff. I said to David, you ought to see this guy because, you know, he really, um, he really is good. And he was pretty well hired on the spot. Wow, that's extraordinary. Uh, but that is, I tell you, he's a, he, he, he is a rarity in yeah. terms of... Um, I used to get a lot more stuff through the mail about, you know, sometimes there were... The people who want to do it so quite often draw in exactly the same way. It's awful. It's strange. I can't describe it, but it's... Um, they have an idea of what... And quite often they're sort of, I don't know, graduates from you know, good universities who feel that they can um, make a living as a cartoonist because they've got um, you know, political leanings or they've got... Mm. Um, uh, but their drawing is so generally awful. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing much you can do about that. But uh, in terms of advice... Uh, but I don't get many of those now even I used to get more um, and the paper just doesn't seem to seem to hear from people like that anymore and well, certainly not young people no uh, that's well, I mean, they're mostly alienated from it all you know I, I, well I'm, in a way that's good for you <laughs> it's fine for, yeah yeah and yeah let's, I mean, let's, yeah. let's have the, the, your the, yeah the, um, yeah we the try and keep them away slots from into your space when you're away is um, is kept in the wings for a long time. Peter Brooks, thank you very much. Thank you very much.